Some things don't mix. If you're a Coca-Cola drinker, it's good. This one's actually good and cold, too. No, you cannot have it. But uh, it, it's, if you uh, are a Coca-Cola drinker, it's good just to drink the Coke. And it's good uh, if you have a chocolate cake or some chocolate chip cookies or whatever you like to drink cold milk with cereal. Milk is good. How many think that milk is really, really good? Coke is really, really good by itself. But what if we did this? When I was growing up, we call this a suicide. That's pretty nasty stuff. Milk is good, Coke is good, but some things just don't mix. No, I'm, I have to finish my message. and I'm against puking, but anyway. Some things just don't mix. We've been talking about covenants and... Uh, that God made a covenant with Abraham, God made a covenant with Noah, God made a covenant with David, God made a covenant with Moses and the children of Israel, God made a covenant with Jesus. We're hopefully going to be talking more next week about the covenant that he made with Jesus, that we all are participants of that. But I, I'm not going to go too much detail because we've already talked about the covenant that God made with the children of Israel. You remember he made what we called a grant covenant. That's when somebody who is very powerful and has the ability to bestow all blessings upon somebody who is far lesser and the person who is far lesser has no obligations. And we know that God made a covenant with Noah and he says, I'm never going to flood the earth again, destroy the earth again with the flood. There is no obligation for Noah. Matter of fact, after he got off the boat, he got drunk. God didn't say, because you messed up, I'm going to flood the earth right now. He didn't. There was no obligation for Noah. Abraham, God said, I'm going to make your name great. Everybody from your seed is going to be great. There's going to be a seed that comes after you. Talking about seed is Jesus. He made that promise to him, and he says, everybody who blesses you is going to be blessed. After that, he lied to a king because he was scared that the king would kill him because his you know, really, really elderly wife was one hot tamale. And so he said, no, this isn't my wife, this is my sister. He did that one not once but twice. How many know that God didn't revoke or take away the covenant? Why? Because there was no obligation for Abraham. It was all based upon what God said he was going to do. Same thing with David. But when he came to the children of Israel, we said this, but I'll remind you that he said, when he brought Talk to Moses. He said, tell the people of all of Israel to come to the mountain. I'm going to make each one of them a priest. I'm going to be their God. And they're going to be my, every man is going to be a priest. Now, if you just read that, you can read over that and not catch it. But what he's saying is from now on, I'm going to, I want to be one-on-one -on -one with you. You're not going to come through a mediator. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I'm going to be your God. You're going to, you're going to be my priest. I'm going to have one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. Three days later, Jesus come, or God comes down to the mountain. It's burning, melting. I mean, it's just like, whoa. And the children of Israel said, you know what? We don't want God to speak to us ever again. Don't want him to speak to us ever again. 
because he spoke to them at that particular time and they heard his voice and told Moses said you know what just go to God and get the rules that we need to obey just get something just tell him we'll do whatever he says and you don't realize this but because of their slave mentality God Pharaoh's the only God they knew for 400 years, four generations, the only guy they really knew was Pharaoh. And what was the life of living underneath Pharaoh? Rules and regulations. You want to eat, you better do this. You want to live, you better do this. So it was based upon rules and regulations. So they thought, he's God, we understand about God, just give us the rules and regulations. But what we don't understand is they knew about the covenant that God made with Abraham. They could have said, bless us. We are recipients of Abraham. We just want to be blessed as the seed of Abraham, as the children of Abraham. You said that we'll be blessed. We just believe that you'll bless us. They didn't believe that. They could have, but they didn't. They didn't believe that. So they got the rules and regulations, which God never intended for them to have, but that's what they wanted, so he gave them what they wanted. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Before we start this, one of the biggest problems in churches around the world, it may be the biggest problem in churches around the world. I'm not going to say it's the number one problem, but it's got to be up in the top list. And that is this, is that the church worldwide mixes the old covenant with the new covenant. We mix it. And just like that drink, it's gross. Mixing the old covenant with the new covenant is something that will do nobody any good whatsoever. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, having said that, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But now Jesus, our higher priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God. Who's mediating this with God? Jesus. So just to give you a prelude to, to the covenant that we're in now, it has nothing to do with you and me. <laughs> you said, say what? The covenant that God made, he made it with Jesus because he knew man would mess it up. So he left you and me out of the equation. Aren't you thankful? I think I, I know I would have messed it up and let me just reassure you, so would have you messed it up so God says I'm not going to count on man I'm just going to take him out of the equation and I'm going to make a covenant you know on one side you have a far superior one on the left side you got a, a, a less one that you're in covenant with I shouldn't say lesser but one that you're in covenant with and there had to be a sacrifice of the cutting of the covenant so God provided all three parts he provided even the sacrifice so what is your part my part? To believe. To believe. And once you believe, that makes you heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's a prelude of the covenant we're not going to talk about today. But anyway, verse 7 says, If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people... He said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. 
They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Let me just say this. The reason he turned his back on the Lord is because of the kinship covenant. We're not going to go into it, but do you remember? God never just turns his back upon people, but because of the covenant that the children of Israel went into, that's why. God is not a forsaker. He doesn't forsake people. All right. Where did I leave off? Verse 10. But this is the new covenant I will make with people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. He's talking about the covenant he made with Moses. He's saying right here and now, just want you to know, the covenant that he made with Moses is what? Obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. So in the old covenant, the children of Israel had to do something to receive or get something from God. If you read the old testament which contains the old covenant they had to do everything right so they could get blessed they had to do to get you understand that so that's the old covenant and so for the new covenant we do because we have already received for example we love because he first loved us He's already done something. We just reciprocate. Faith is just uh, reciprocating for what has already been done. That's basically what faith is. You are believing something that has already been done for you. Faith is not twisting God's arm behind his back going, you, you, I'm really believing you. You, you may not want to do this. So I'm just going to really get you to do it. Oh, anyway, uh, that's not how God works. That's not how faith works. Faith says, Jesus did this for me. He did this for me. So I'm going to believe that it's mine because he did it for me already. So you do because you've already received. In the old, you do to get. In the new, you're not doing to get. It's already been gotten by Jesus. Isn't that good news? So the old covenant, the Israelites at Mount Sinai were saying, God, just tell us what to do. But in reality, they were saying, I don't believe what you said to Abraham. I don't believe it's for us. Literally, I, we, we don't, to be honest with you, we just don't trust you. So tell us what we can do so we can bless ourselves. I'm going to say that again. Tell us what to do so that we can bless ourselves. So that we can receive blessing by doing. The church is doing that today. And we're mixing the old with the new. Just tell us what to do so that we can receive from you today. You're mixing it, sweetheart. And just like this drink. It's gross. Why? First of all, 
that falls under the category of self-righteousness. If I can do something to receive something, if I can get good enough or be good enough, then I can receive something. That is self-righteousness. Do you understand? That's a stench in the nostrils of God. That's why he had a problem with the Pharisees. They thought they were up here because, you know, we fast often and we do this and we do that. We're not like the publicans. We're not like the sinners. We're not even like Jesus. He hangs around sinners. We're not like him. We're better than that. We are better than that. They were mixing. They, they're self You know, Jesus said this. He says, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. I believe it's around Matthew chapter 9. He said that. That's kind of a funny saying. But you've got to remember, they would take a wineskin, a skin of an animal, and they would put the, the wine in it. You put new wine into new wineskin because if you put new wine in old wineskin, old wineskins are already stretched out to their maximum. So if you put new wine in, if, when it started fermenting, what's going to happen? It's going to pop. It's going to bust. It's going to leak. Jesus says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. It's a bad mixture. Why did he say that? He was saying that to the religious people who were saying that, you know, you're hanging around these people and you're hanging around the sinners. You're, you know, if you were God, you wouldn't let a prostitute touch your feet. He let a prostitute wash his feet with the tears from her eyes. She washed his feet. He was saying this, that the law cannot be mixed with the new covenant. The new wine cannot be put in old wineskin. It caused it to bust. It's just a bad mixture. Guys, we're still doing that today. It's a bad mixture to say, I have to do this to get God's approval. If I want the favor of God upon my life, I have to do, and you fill in the blank. If God's going to accept me, i got to make sure I, I, I obey every single law that he wants me to do. Well, you're in trouble. In the old covenant, there's over 600 laws, and you probably don't even know. And everybody in here is probably breaking them right now. Did you know you, you can't mix uh, any kind of material like polyester and cotton? It's against the law. You may be wearing 100% cotton, so you're good. But that has to be your underwear and everything else, socks. and Don't say anything. I'm just saying it has to be everything. So many laws. So people broke them. So if you broke them, guess what? You didn't get all the blessings of God. So we take that same kind of mentality into the church world and say, well, you know, so-and-so, they're not doing right. They're not going to be blessed of God. Which says, when you do that, you, you don't really do The Lord pointed this out to me when I told, you know, when I told whoever, it's basically just talking to you, talk to yourself in your car, you know, somebody cuts you off, you go, you stupid idiot. But... Um, when you point to somebody and say they're not look at how they're driving what you're saying in reality is you're far superior than them yeah the Lord pointed that out to me numerous times when 
I was be driving. And so what the children of Israel were saying is we keep the law. And the children, and people still do it today. I'm not as bad off as that person. You know, they're doing this, and you point your finger, and you're saying that I'm not as bad, I'm better than them. That's called self-righteousness. You realize that none of us measure up, no matter how good you are. No matter how good you are, you still fall short. I said you still fall short. The pastor's falling short, and it's not because I'm five foot eight, but we're all falling short. In three quarters, don't forget that part. Real close to five nine, real close. I usually round it off, but I, I don't want to be lying. But anyway, it, we fall short. The only person that didn't fall short was Jesus. And so you have to believe and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Then your shortness is gone forever. It's gone forever. You'll never be coming up short with your heavenly father ever again because of Jesus. That's why we worship him. That's why we find out more about him. That's why we want to know who we are in Christ. It's all about Jesus. Serving God is all about Jesus. It's nothing to do with you and me. It's about him. And as soon as you and I can retrain our thinking and our mind to quit thinking about our wrongs and our weaknesses and our shortcomings because we all have issues. As soon as we can renew this and say, it's about him. He's the one. I have been crucified. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me who's doing the living. So when I realize that Mike is a dead man. I know all that zombie stuff. I don't care about it and I don't watch it. But if you do, that's all right. You can watch it. It's okay. It's pretty gross. But I mean, it, it, everything's about zombies. In reality, you and I are almost like a zombie. You're dead walking around. But the good news is Jesus is the one who's living inside of you. Zombies, they don't have a mind or anything else. So that's probably a poor illustration. But anyway, you know what I mean? It's him. And it's more that we can edify him and, 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 and enlarge him by being thankful and knowing what he has done for us. You will live more holy accidentally than you ever had. I just got to live more holy. I just got to live more holy. I just got to live. I tell you, I did that so many times and I failed so many times. I just thought, I don't even know if I'm saved. <laughs> and that's exactly where the devil wants all Christians to be. No, just trying to be more holy. You miss it a lot, but you you can try harder. And so, what do all Christians do? Try harder. And after a few years, you quit going to church. You quit serving God. You quit even thinking about God. Why? Because I just can't do it. There's good news for everybody like that. None of us can. <laughs> I can't. Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike cannot. That's why I needed a Savior. That's why you needed a Savior, and that's why he came. I said, that's why he came. So we have to quit mixing. Mixing the old with the new. I'm telling you, it's one of the biggest problems that's in the church world around the world but we're taking care of it today there are folks who are just like the children of Israel they keep searching the Bible to find out what they need to do 
I'm going to turn your religious cart right, I mean, upside down right here and now. You should not be reading the Bible, seeing what you need to do. You need to be reading the Bible to see what he has done for you. And that will change your life. It will change your life. It'll cause the impatient to be patient. It'll cause the, the, the stinkers of the bunch to be nicer. It'll cause the jerks to get the jerks slapped right out of them. But you know, people all around the world, they're trying really hard to obey. They're trying their best. I, I'm just really trying to keep all the rules. I'm really trying to be a good Christian. I'm really trying. But the sad fact is they're not even trusting God. They're trusting in their own efforts. I'm going to say it again. When you're reading the word, trying to keep the rules, you're trusting in your own efforts and you're not trusting in him. Does this make sense to you? Do you realize this has set every person free in Pueblo, Colorado? The one right now who's smoking and the shooting up, he, right now he needs to know that he's been set free. Every person in our city needs to hear this, that God is for them and not against them. And they don't have to clean themselves up to come to him. I'm telling you. I mean, we sang that a song, come just as I am, without one plea. And I can't. Just as I am. And then when I got there, they said, okay, now this is what you got to do. <laughs> and the list went from here to Chicago, man. I'm telling you what. And I thought, I can't even do the top 10. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Woo, I'm set free from a list. Jesus set me free from a list, man. <laughs> Well, they're trusting in themselves. If, well, if I can do right, I think I'll get more favor. If I can, if I can keep the rules a little bit better, I, I, I think, you know, I may get more healing coming into my life if I can just do better. I believe God will meet my needs if, if I can just do better and keep those and become more obedient and just, just do better. God will be pleased with me if I can do better. So that's going through all the church people around the world. That's, if, if I could, if I could, I, 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 I can't. If that's the mentality of the church, it's as if Jesus never came. Why did he come? He didn't come just to help you out. We think, okay, Jesus, I got saved. I got it from here on. I'm good now. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try harder. It's okay. I'm on the right road. I've got it now. No, you don't. It's not grace that just gets you saved. It's grace that keeps you alive and well and blessed and prosperous in the things of God. It's grace, grace, grace. So the devil tries to get everybody in church to focus on themselves. That's an easy place to do it. Don't mix the old with the new. If you're mixing, listen to me. If you think you have to keep the rules, you just got this poured on you. Don't mix the old with the new. It's not 
about rules. It's about God, and he wanted a relationship with you and me. You know, in Galatians, we've been studying that on Wednesday nights. We've been going scripture by verse by verse through that. Paul was really, I mean, he was just literally shaking them, saying that you are trying. He says, why would you start in the spirit and try to finish in the flesh? You know what he means by that? You get born again. You see Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now you do works and things to get God's acceptance and blessings. He says, why would you do that? And circumcision was the thing at that time. It was the number one rule of all of the planet. You know, if if you're going to do anything with God, you have to be circumcised. And circumcision was the number one thing. And so he just told him, he says, circumcision. He says, it means absolutely nothing. And man, that was just like, their vein popped out and they got mad because they thought listen to me they were basing the relationship with God based on circumcision that was what they were basing their religion do you understand this listen to this that's like me basing my relationship with with this ring with my wife this is more important than my relationship with my wife this is the most important thing right here and if I lose this my relationship is over Paul says, you bunch of, he came real close to saying, you bunch of stupid people. No, that's not going to make your relationship worse or better with God. No, it has nothing to do with that. You realize, nah, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not telling everybody, oh, I'm throwing this away. No, I'm not saying that. I have one. But this is what I am saying. That is not what makes me have a connection with my wife. Common sense. It's too bad it's not that common sense in the body of Christ. We base things like, I have to have this to have a relationship with him. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I'm going to say it again. God's relationship with you is not based upon rules. And I'm even going to say this, and this is... I heard this statement by a preacher probably 20 years ago. And it's pretty true. He said, when revelation is given to the church, he says, it usually ticks people off first before they receive it. So we may have some ticking going on this morning. (laughs) God is not judging you according to your obedience today. I feel some ticks, but I'm telling you. Why? Are you saying it's not important to obey God? No, I did not say that. I did not say that. But if you are relating your obedience and connecting that to relationship, you have it all wrong and you've missed it a mile. For example, if my kids, when they were real little, or my grandkids... Now, they're still little. If they run out the door, I say, okay, we're going to go someplace. And they run out the door, and they run toward the street. And I scream at the top of my lungs, stop, stop. And they obey me. They stop. Their obedience 
was based upon they know what I know what is best for them. A car or a truck was coming down the road. It's based upon trust. If you are keeping rules, the basis of your relationship is not built upon trust. It's built upon what you can do or not doing. Do you see that? Do you think that's a good relationship with God? It's not built upon love whatsoever. I said it's not built upon love. Our relationship should not be based upon obedience. It should be based upon how God loves us. My children stop. Now, are there consequences to not obeying? Yeah, if my kids don't obey, guess what? They run out in the street in a truck. But I'm not the one who sent the truck. And I'm not the one who's going to kick them out of the family because they got hit by a truck. And what does the church do? I didn't obey, so God hit me with a truck. I think I saw him as the driver. It wouldn't be so funny if it wasn't so true. You hear people say, God gave me this cancer. What? God did this, yeah, God took my car. He repossessed my car. Yeah, there's, repossession is one of his traits. <laughs> He's got all kinds of nice cars in heaven. I can't wait to get there to drive them. <laughs> that's, just, just, that's just ignorant gone to seed, man. I like what Andrew Womack says. He says, that's so dumb. He says, how can you breathe? <laughs> he said that. That's just a quote. I didn't say that, but anyway. John 15, 12, it says, this is my commandment. Oh, my goodness. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So when you're talking about the commandments of God, it's just really about love. And it's not just how much you love God. I'm going to try to wrap this up in five minutes. Hang on. (laughs) It's not, I always used to believe, even as a pastor, I just have to love God more. If I love God more, you know, I'll just be able to receive from God more, and I'll just be able to walk as he walked. I just need to love God more. We get the cart before the horse in just about all kinds of areas in our relationship with God. We get the cart before the horse. You know what I mean by that? I feel like there is an ocean. You know, God's love can't be measured. Because God is love. He doesn't contain love. He is love, which means love, therefore, is eternal. Does that make sense? So you can't contain love or measure love. It's eternal. But for the sake of an illustration, let's say that uh, love uh, would be represented by all of the oceans on the planet. All of the water on the planet. That's the love of God. And this is what God your Father has done. He's put all of the oceans and all of the water, and he's put it inside of you. And this is what he wants from you and me. Now, instead of trying to love, you live out of the love that is in you. If I'm going, he says to husbands, how about this one? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If you don't know how much Christ loves you, you you really can't show the proper love to your wife. But it's not you who has to come up with the love. I don't think you got that. When I love people, it's not because I have to 
Oh, I just don't love that person very much. I am trying to love them out of my flesh. It's not me trying to come up with a love. I need to dip into the reservoir that is already in me, the oceans of love that is in me, and live out of that love. Now I can love you. Why? Because man, the love of God is in me. I can love you. I can love my wife as Christ loved the church. I can love everybody. I can love that jerk and that jerk and that idiot. I can love him. I can love them all. Why? Because it's not, I'm not trying to live out of my love or perform. But when you do that, it's called works. And you're going to fall short as soon as you get tired or they do something, tick you off, push the wrong button. But if I love everybody out of that love, we love him because he first loved us. You don't even have the capability of loving God until he puts his love in you. Now you can love God. But we tried to get the cart before the horse. I have to love God more while ignoring what is in you. When you have a revelation of the love of God in you, you will fall so much more in love with God. You'll fall more in love with your spouse, with the jerks in your life. That, okay, we won't go there, but you, you'll be able to love them a lot better. <laughs> I have fun when I preach, let me tell you. You have so, and guess what? Because you have, understand the love of God in there, you will obey effortlessly the things of God. Why? Because of love. Not out of obligation. What if your spouse found out, I just love her because I have to. And I just got, you know, the Bible says love your wife. Well, I get, so I have, you know I have to love you. You're right. You know that, right? Well, that's going to be a great start of a day. It's a shame that most Christians have that kind of mentality toward their Heavenly Father. We don't even love Him because I have to. I love Him because the Bible says He first loved me. If you understand that, it's easy to love God. And if you understand that, it'll be easy for you to walk in healing. If you understand that, it'd be easy to know that all of your needs have been met. If you understand that, it'd be easy to have the fruit of the Spirit. Because obedience and the fruit of the Spirit is a fruit. It's all a fruit, not a root. If you're trying to make it a root, you're doing it on your own self-effort, and I can take you, you can take this to the bank. You will fail miserably. But if it's a fruit, it just happens automatically. It happens automatically. If I put my trees, my fruit trees that I have, that you know, they they a fruit tree produces fruit. It's just what it does. When you know that the love of God is within you, you're going to bear fruit automatically, effortlessly, because you know who you are in Christ. But if you're trying to produce, you know, if one of my trees is that, I've never seen one of my trees just shaking. And if I could go and talk to it, what are you shaking for? I'm trying to produce apples, but I'm having a hard time. I'm really struggling producing apples. You know, you just don't know. It's cold in the winter, and then in the spring, I got to produce this stuff, and it's just hard. You, this is what I would say if the truth talked to me that way. I said, you stupid tree. You're a stupid tree. That's what you are, because fruit's automatic. It's effortless. 
You just need to be who you are. Isn't that a really amazing thought? So can I tell you this? I'll close with this. You just need to be who you are. (laughs) Instead of trying to become, just be who you are. Instead of trying to become righteous, just be who you are, righteous. Instead of trying to become anything, fill in a blank, just know who you are. Become who you really are. Let's stand.